Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hello and welcome to a special bonus episode of the Arsblog Arscast, right here on Arsblog.com. How are you? Hope you're well. We don't normally do stuff on a Tuesday unless there's a Monday night game, but when the opportunity arises to speak to the one and only Ian Wright, who am I to say no? Nobody. That's who. So without further ado... The one and only Ian Wright. Hello there. Andrew, I love you, man. What's up? <laughs> I love you too. Thank you. It's a good way to start a conversation. <laughs> it's been a, been a disappointing week or so for the team. We were in a good position. Top four looked, I mean, it's difficult, but still we we're in a good position and you've got two games, Crystal Palace and Brighton, that you think, okay, without being presumptuous or anything else, these are big points. And if we get those points, we put ourselves in a, in a great position going into some of the more difficult games. But yeah. obviously it's, uh, it's been a bit of a struggle uh, against Palace and a struggle against Brighton. Uh, how, how big of a bump in the road do you think this is? I think that there are two games, Andrew. As the games were coming up, you think to yourself, the way Palace are, the way Patrick's got them playing, um, the way Brighton are now organised they are, especially with us, Andrew, we can't hide the fucking elephant in the room. We, we can't score goals, bro. We're not scoring goals at the kind of rate where we need, where we can score that goal um, if we're under pressure and maybe when they're attacking us, score another one and then bam, shut up shop. And against Palace, we, we couldn't get them off us and Brighton very organised and, you know, they came there to stop us playing through our midfield and, you know, fucking they stopped us because obviously, you know, Partey. And then they just hit us. They broke on us. They broke us a couple of times and unfortunately, Emil and, and, and Saka couldn't do their stuff because there's a lot of fucking weight on their shoulders. But at the same time, and you going into those games, I thought these two games will be brilliant for us if we can do a a smash and grab kind of vibe on these teams. You know, we we make sure that we're tight, we're tight at the back. We give them those spaces. We frustrate their guys, Wilfred Zahn, and whoever's going to be playing up front for them, and then we nick that half chance, which we Andrew, which I've realised we we can't do mm. in, in this team with the lack of goals. It's, it's, it's going to be very tough for us to stay in and amongst it. And these two games, as they were coming, I just thought it's going to be a big test for us. And unfortunately, we lost them both. There's a lot of focus on Alexandra Lacazette, who, uh, to his credit, did good work in the few months following the departure of Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang. He was a facilitator in many ways. I think his, his goal threat is, is obviously a big issue. But I think the last couple of weeks, we've seen a guy who looks a bit fatigued, whose play has been sussed out by the opposition, if you like. Palace knew how to deal with him. Uh, it was easy for the Palace centre-halves. 
And when you when you have a you were a striker, you go through periods where you can't score or don't score, but you're there, you're knocking on the door, you're trying things, you're getting in the box, you're taking shots. That aspect of, of Lacazette's game seems to be completely gone now. And when it's coupled with the the sort of more ineffectual dropping in deep and link up play, you know, eight passes against um, Brighton at the weekend, it is a big problem, isn't it, for the team? You know, he's working hard, he's trying his best, but he's just in basically the worst form of his Arsenal career. Unfortunately for him, because we went through a phase where people were saying, yeah, he's not scoring, but, you know, he's linking the play and we're, we're able to get things off of the fact that he's linking the play. Emil Smith-Rowe, Martinelli, or Saka's benefiting from him doing their inverted running in. But at the same time, like you said, Andrew, once that's being figured out and other building of play is happening and you still haven't got your main striker in the places where he can make the move to get the half chance to finish the finish the chance is something that when you're not doing that there's a team when you've got a striker that's not scoring and he's not scored for a long time now I think Mm. he's got four goals in the season two of them are penalties even the opposition team know that listen you know what I mean we've we've got to make sure that we stop the supply to these two because this guy won't score he's not scoring at the moment and when you look at some of the times when I watch Alexander he's, he's runs towards near post he's runs into the box are not dynamic enough for him to beat somebody with a half yard so as you could get there just in front of someone. He's not, he's, he's not doing that work, you know? And so what's happening is, is that we're not scoring. We actually don't look like scoring. And, and we haven't got the kind of p- players up front who can take a half chance. So as if we do score, like 1-0 to the Arsenal, where it came from, if we do score, you know that we're shutting up shop. And we're, pro- we're probably, a, um, unless something... Unless they one of their top guys score, we're winning that game one nil. At the moment, when you see our team, you're not confident that we are. Where's where's the goals coming from? Where are they coming from? And it's the way Brighton played us the other day, they just negated us. We couldn't get the ball through our midfield. We couldn't kind of get the ball in and around to Erdegaard. We saw the fellow Moepu um, kind of like had a, a quite easy time with Emil Smith Rowe. Not because Emil didn't play well, it's because he can't get the service, the kind of service that he can hurt teams with. And I think that people have kind of found us out what we're capable of and what we're trying to do. And it seems quite easy to shut us down in this moment. And look, I don't want to put it all on Lacazette, but you know, clearly if you're the goalkeeper, your job is to uh, make saves. If you're a striker, your job is to score goals. And I think there are elements where you have to talk about the service. You have to talk about how we get the ball into the box and all that kind of stuff. Um, But at the same time, I I think he's well below the level that he is capable of. And we've seen him play a lot better than this. But if you're Mikel Arteta now and you're looking at a guy and you're saying, well, what do I do here? Do I stick or twist? Do I hope he's going to spark into life when pretty much all the evidence of this season tells you that it's not going to happen? Mm-hmm. You know, the uh, even the, the, the Wolves game, for example, where he didn't score the goal, but he was there and it, it, it didn't become like a confidence boost thing for him. It, it, the, the struggles are continuing. So if you're Mikel Arteta and you're saying, how am I going to get this team to score more goals? How am I going to uh, make the team more unpredictable, less uh, obvious for the opposition to deal with us? You've got to make a change up front, don't you? Even if Lacazette is like a senior guy, he's wearing the armband at this moment yeah. in time, there comes a point where you have to say, regardless of all that, your form has to play a part in my team selection. Absolutely. And um, I know I speak to a lot of people 
walking, as you can imagine, and walking on my, my main road when we go when I'm going to do my stuff and that. There's so many Arsenal fans in and around us, mm. and they're constantly asking. They they want to see, they want to see Martin, Martinelli playing up front now. They, you know, I mean, yes, Lacazette gives us a nice link up play, but now people are finding that out, and you know he's not getting. Sometimes when he goes in and he he goes over, he's not getting the fouls as well. So what's happening is is that they're actually using the fact that like like, like goes down, and the referees are kind of like onto that. And they're not even giving the fouls where you want your your centre forward to hold it up and stop the play. They're not even giving us those fouls. So, yes, he does link up the play. But I would, I would try, I would try Martinelli. And for the last five, six games, whatever we got left, I'd probably say right. I'd see Eddie Nketiah down. And I'd say, listen, I don't know what the fuck's going on in your head, but we've got rid of Abamyang. You're an upcoming striker. We've got rid of Aubameyang. You was, you was hearing a spell when he weren't scoring. You're hearing a spell when Lacazette weren't scoring. He's still not scoring. You're a centre-forward. And when you're, when you're coming on, I'm not seeing it. So, so he needs that talk to say, there is an opening as a number nine at Arsenal for someone who can do this job. And you're young enough to do that job and get in the box. If someone had that chat with him, because when he's coming on, it does seem like, like there's a couple of times I came on against Palace, he looked okay, but not goal threaty enough. And I'm thinking to myself, when I'm coming through, Andrew, I remember Palace, I remember it was uh, Trevor Aylott, Andy Gray, um, who, who else, I can't remember who else was at, at Palace at the time. And all I was thinking was, if I could just have one fucking chance to have a run in this team. And it does seem to me that when you look at, Eddie, as a striker, what we thought is a, a box striker that we need. You know, Martinelli, who is the guy that comes off the left like Aubameyang did. I'm already thinking, we've got replacements for Aubameyang and, and Lacazette. But what has happened to Eddie in respect of your particular job as a number nine to take over from these guys? So that's the, one of the most frustrating things for me is to see that there's a striker there that seems like, I don't know if he's going to leave or not, doesn't seem like there's any contract talks going on, Andrew. I don't know what's going on. Maybe he's made his mind up. But if, you, if you're at Arsenal, in London, a team that is so capable, the manager's kind of nearly that he's got something, Andrew. I don't know what he's got something. You could be that fucking centre forward there for fucking years. Do you think... Something's somewhere along the line. I don't know what's happened, Andrew, because there's an opportunity for someone to go into that team and be a number nine. And he's there and it looks like he... What's going on? I'm not even hearing what's happening. His contract, or is he leaving? Do you think that plays a part? Like, if you're a player in a similar situation with Lacazette, of course, because he's got six months left on his contract, like they're professional. When you go across the white line, you want to win. No question yeah. about that. But does it does it play a part in your thinking? Like, if you're Eddie, and if you're, let's say, you've made your mind up that you want to leave or you want to go somewhere else because you want to play more regularly, yeah. surely making the most of the chances that you do get opens more doors for you, creates more opportunities. Yes. Yeah, people will see what you're people will see what you're capable of. And what they'll also see is that, yes, in an Arsenal team that, yeah, we're not creating as many chances as we should. We're the lowest goal scorers in the top five, top four, we're, we're up there. We're the lowest goal scorers. And you are a goal scorer. And let's say you've got leanings towards wanting to leave, then score goals for Arsenal. The worst ways, worst things that's going to happen is is that we're going to offer you more. We're going to offer you a, a, a bigger deal because mm. where are you going to go? It's going to be better than Arsenal in this current climate of your your career. Where, where else are you going to go? That's going to give you the stature with a Mikel Arteta and what he's trying to build and everything. 
where are you going to go if you're scoring goals against uh, for for Arsenal? You know, what I mean, where do you want to be? It's like it's it's really frustrating because we need goals, man. There's no way when we lose Tomiyasu, Party, Kieran Tierney, well, there's no way we could stay in that top four with with the, with the with the players that we've got at the moment without them three in it because they are three of the mainstays in our team right now. And when you're not scoring as well, you know it's it's frustrating. It's frustrating watching them. Because I look at Gabriel Martinelli, that's, that guy's fucking trying, man. He's trying, right? It, you know, we saw what he's against Liverpool. We see he's, he's such a threat. Saka's trying. You know, Emil Smith is in and out of it, Emil, and that. But, like, the fact is, is that we just seem, we're just short. We're short and we're short because we can't score the goals that we need to stay in there. And, you know, I had to have a massive argument with one of my Arsenal mates the other day. Because on, on match of the day, well, you don't get any fucking time to say anything, Andrew. You know what I mean? We're only mm. got 30 seconds. I'm watching my team just get hammered by Brighton with, without laying a glove on them, really. And, you know, the guys, And when, when I said, well, you have to fancy Tottenham to get into the top four. Of course you do. They've got players for a start who can score. They've made some very good signings. They've strengthened where we were clearing out, Andrew. Mm. You know, so I said Tottenham because they can score goals. And if you could score goals, you can have a fucking chance of winning games. It was always going to be the the thing that hampered our top four chances was the goal scoring, the firepower, the lack of it. Um, and he found something that worked for a little while and now it's not working. So the onus is very much on Mikel Arteta to, to find something else that works. Yeah. And obviously the injuries to Thomas Partey and Kieran Tierney, that's another risky run when you when you strip out the squad, you streamline. If you want to uh, be nice about it, you streamline the squad. But when you get a couple of injuries, it becomes very thin, uh, and that's mm. that was a factor I think, particularly against uh, particularly against Brighton at the weekend because mm. it was the Shaka decision, and we can maybe talk about that uh, in a minute. Okay. But but he has to he has to think about how he can generate more from the players that he has and like I, I looked at the team sheet uh, on Saturday and I saw Shaq at left back and I didn't like mm. it and I don't think anyone liked it at the same time though I saw Martinelli Saka Smith Rowe and Odegaard all in the team maybe to try and offset that from an attacking perspective it didn't work but is that kind of what he has to do now is to say okay we might be a bit defensively weak mm. we've lost Tierney we've lost Partey but there is potential there's youth there's energy there's talent in these young players is it a case that he maybe just has to shuffle things around a bit to try and make that work he does have to do that he does he does have to shuffle that around and one of the things we, we did we didn't want to no one wants to see Zaka at left back but we I did, we don't want to see Saka having to go back there like what what's his what's the other options you know Cedric Suarez you know, over, over that side, I, I don't know. He, the thing, what 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 he's doing at the moment is that he's trying to get the best out of a very thin squad, Andrew. That's that, that's basically what he's doing. Man's having to coach. He's trying to coach himself out of this situation. And to a certain extent, you want players to play better in the in in what they're trying to do because you want to be. You need eight out of tens performances every week where we are. Right, we're not getting that out of uh, out of a few players. And so what happens is, is that the managers are having to try and coach our team into doing what, what, we're, what, what he wants us to do. But at the same time, if you're going to play Xhaka at left back, you saw where the goals came from, especially the first goal. 
where he's down that side because Xhaka is getting himself in a situation where I have to go out to him. I'm going to have to go out to him. So then he's left. So then we were left with three guys, and then that Moepu blasts down his side. Mm. He's not used to that. He's used to being higher up in the field. That is something that Brighton will target. They targeted that. That was something that was targeted. So that's where they got their first goal from. And we can't underestimate how organised they are. And at the same time, we can't give a manager too much stick because he's trying to do the best he can with the tools he has. You know, and that's... that's that, I, I feel sorry for him because all you need is you need a couple more players to play a bit better. You, listen, with Lacquer, there's a point, a point where the ball goes into you and it's got to be over my fucking dead body do I not keep this and link the play so as we can get something going. You don't see that enough. Mm. You don't see that enough. You don't see that. Like, mine Erdegaard, yes, the players are going to get... You know what? We need to be tighter on him because if he gets too much time, then we're going to have to... Then he's going to hurt us. So then Martin Erdegaard's got to say to himself, I've got to make sure that if they are fucking tight, I mean, I'm going to fucking make sure it's over my dead body. I fucking lose this now. Because at some stage, it can't be just, oh, yeah, because, you know, um, yeah, lack of, he's going to go and fall down. No, we've got to say, well, fuck that, because that's not going to help us. We have to step up more in our personal game. Mm. You know, I've not changed from the fact that I believe top six is massively, a massive improvement for us. But I still believe that some of the players themselves have to look at themselves and say, I need to play better in this fucking this team right now for him. Player teams are gonna teams are gonna make teams are gonna make provisions to try and stop us. It's up to you to play well so they can't stop you. Mm. What well, what do you think the decision to play Shaq at left back means for Nuno Tavares? Because uh, he's had oh. a couple of difficult games. He was taken yeah. off before halftime at, at, at Forest in the FA Cup, which is like a really it's a very difficult thing yeah. for any player to deal with. Halftime again against Palace and like yeah. it was it was said it was a tactical move, which it probably was, but you know, it's tactical because he he, he was found wanting on, on two goals. I mean yeah. it, <sighs> How do you deal with that as a manager? How do you deal with that as a player if you know like a key part of your midfield is missing and you take away the other key part of the midfield to yeah. play a guy out of position in your position at left back? I mean, you must be feeling bereft of confidence, but it also speaks to what maybe the manager or the lack of faith or trust that the manager has in, in Tavares to do the job at the moment. Well, we, we, we all saw what happened at Forrest um, and his, his reaction as well. So you'd have thought that, you know, from then to now, he's either been coached or something to help him to understand why that happened at Forest. Mm. Because what I saw against Palace, and we're talking about a player that is obviously very talented, Andrew. We've seen that in the games, what he's played for us when we were very excited about what he's capable of doing. And me, just like a lot of Arsenal fans, are thinking, oh, brilliant. Once he gets to the tactical vibe of what we're doing, not dropping deep and making sure that you don't give the ball away in certain areas, understanding the back line and everything that's going on, we're going to have a serious player. But when you get the situation what he had where he's getting taken off at Forest, in this Palace game, he's taken off for whatever reason it is, tactical or whatever. But remember, from the time from Forest to now, He's been thinking, he's probably thinking in training and everything what's going on in a, in a different country and everything. I've got, I got fucking humiliated there, taken off. And Mikel's seen enough to put him in the team against Palace, but obviously not enough to say, no, I'm going to stick with him and leave him on there because he's naturally left-footed. We need Xhaka in the midfield and Mikel still chose Xhaka over him. So if I'm 
Tavares now, Andrew, mm. I'm fucking worried. I'm very worried because if you're going to tell me and the manager's going to choose at one of our most prominent midfielders to play there and when we know that, don't play Xhaka there, please. He must know that if we're saying that, Andrew. Yeah, yeah. Don't play Xhaka there and he plays him there. That says to me that Tavares has got a lot of work to do to get this manager's faith back because he's literally using him. He's using Xhaka when we all don't want that to happen in a time where we've got a left a left footed centre back a left footed left back and we're not playing him. He must feel, as we speak now, on the floor. He's on the lower than the floor, snake's belly. Hmm. How did I mean, is that a recoverable position? Because, you know, the some people might say, Well, look, if you show faith in him and play him in the next game, you're sort of saying, Come on, let's let's see what you can do. But Brighton was the game to do that in, surely, after the Palace game. Andrew, you should have... For me, and I won't say you should have, because like when we, it's easy for me to look back now, because yeah. I'm not watching as far as in training every day. I'm not watching what his attitude's like. I'm not I'm not watching if Mikel's saying, right, this is his last fight. I'm giving him one more fucking chance. Because if I'm going to be totally honest, if you're going to play Xhaka there instead of him, it seems like the last chance is already gone, because he said, well, fuck that. I get that impression. Right, simply because you don't do that. And for me, I, I, I feel like I would have played him there because of how important it is to have Xhaka in the midfield to give us that person that can maybe progress the ball mm. to the next level of where we need it to go to. We didn't really have that, especially with Mark, with um, Martin Erdogan being closed down. and we, They just fucking stifled us and we needed more. So for him to be playing, not playing at all, it's not a good sign for him. It seems like he's already had last chance saloon. But like, I would have probably, if this is why I probably I'm not a manager because I'd have had to gamble on him. Rather than, I think that the gamble of him playing there and Xhaka playing in the middle would have been better than Xhaka playing out there and him not playing at all. Yeah, That's how, that's how I saw it afterwards. And I feel for him because he's a young guy in another country at a big club that needs to be going places. And it looks like at the moment he's not. He, well, it, it, it look, he isn't in a good place. No, I mean maybe the gamble was the Palace game. Maybe that's what the gamble was. And it didn't pay off and and took him off at halftime. Put Shaka back there. But it it, it yeah. But, may- but then Andrew, if that's the case, in Palace you've got some forwards that can cause him a lot of problems. So the gamble surely would have been in the Brighton game where mm. he wouldn't have had like we're not talking about Wilfred Zaha changing sides and all that sort of stuff and doing the stuff what he's doing. Because what he done to Suarez on that day was just like it made me just made me so fucking. I wanted to cry, but the <laughs> fact is, is that I would have preferred to play him in the Brighton game because it didn't feel like he would have had that pressure on him continually from that kind of winger. Mm. I don't think that would have happened. So what I mean. It remains an issue, though. So what does he do to fix it? Because the solutions are slightly imperfect. You could move Cedric over, bring Rob Holding in, move Ben White to right back. That's a lot of moving pieces. Uh, I know you mentioned Saka earlier. He's got the ability to play there, but but when you're a team that's shy on goals, you, need, got, your, you hey, need your best players up front, right? But then what's happened with Pepe? If, if You know what? As much as I would hate to see Saka go left back, I'd rather see Saka go left back or oh, that change what you said there. You know, put Cedric Suarez there, play Ben White right back, bring Olgin in, whatever it is. You know, anything other than 
playing it where it's going to weaken us because all those players there, they know that. Cedric can play left-back. When we bought him, we bought him as a right and left-back cover, for Christ's sake. You know, we know Ben White can play there. And Rob Holding, whatever you say about him, he doesn't let you down when he comes in there. He does the best he can. Now, if that's the case, if we're not going to do that, then you don't want to put Cedric there. And we have to put Saka there and put Pepe on the right. Mm. You know what I mean? How many games are we talking about? You know what I mean? I, I don't know, because obviously Tierney's out for a while now, but we need to do something, Andrew, where we balance it up. We can't put Xhaka there. I think that we, we all know that. Yeah. So if, if we can't put Cedric Suarez there, that's something that we should have been thinking about ages ago when we signed the guy. We signed him as a cover, as cover for left and right back. And now, yes, he's doing it as a right back. But we, I, we, I did it. we need it in left back, Andrew. Mm. He's got options if he wants to do them. You know, he's got those options. But, you know, I, all I've been doing for the last, like, four, five, like four days, is I can't stop thinking about three days. I can't stop thinking about what we're going to do because I don't want us to slip away. I'm not bothered about fourth, Andrew, because I knew our team, we haven't got the goals in it, the, um, we haven't got the experience in it to sustain that with the way that teams are coming now. I'm feeling top six. I don't want us to start dropping and dropping and then dropping back out into eight from that because I think that can have a detrimental effect on such a young squad. When we got there, we were in and around the promised land and we could see it in the distance, but it comes down to have we got enough firepower to take us there? And it looks like we haven't at the moment. And so we need to make sure arrest this development in we're sliding. We've got, we've got beaten quite quite comfortably in both of those games, if I'm going to be totally honest. Mm. Yes, we had a little bit of a, a flurry towards the end with Brighton, but the way we started that game, we needed to start that game saying, we're going to have to take a couple on the chin here, but we're going to, but over our dead body, we're going, to, we're going to concede. But we can't do that, Andrew, if we haven't got a half-chance taker. Yeah. We can't do so, I mean, does that lend itself, coming back to what we were talking about, about goals and doing something different up front, like if you're playing Martinelli, and let's say... You know, sack out left back isn't what you would ideally like to do, but you do have a kind of able deputy, a seventy-two million pound deputy in in yeah, Nicolas Pepe. So you know, if you're looking to change the attacking dynamic of the team, um, you know, it, there are players I think who Mikel Arteta has a lot of trust in, and players who his trust in is not really there. And I think Pepe is one of those, right? Yeah. And obviously Nuno yeah. is one of those. Nevertheless. You know, when you're in a position like we're in, when you've lost these two games, when you've got Southampton coming over the weekend, then you've got you've got Chelsea, you've got Man United. It's daunting. You, you've got to... I know he's quite sometimes a bit risk-averse, but you've got to maybe just say, fuck it, I've exactly. got to try something. Andrew. <laughs> we both said fuck it at the same time as well, because <laughs> the reason being, Andrew, is that if, if Pepe was a a youth team product, a 10 million, 15 pound, 15 million pound player who he doesn't fancy because of this and because of that, whatever. I understand, but we're talking about our record signing, 72 million pounds, came back from the AFCON, didn't do too badly. And we are now in emergency. We're in an emergency situation and our 72 million pound player can't even get on the pitch. These are the situations where you think to yourself, like we're talking, I was talking about Tavares maybe have been in, he's already been in the last chance saloon. For £72 million, this guy's got to have a couple of last-chance saloons for me because the games you just mentioned, Southampton, Chelsea, United, whoever whoever we've got, if you throw Pepe on and 
he gives us three of the best games ever or he does enough where he creates and does stuff, then then you have to say, yes, that made sense. He's a, he's a, he's a £72 million player who's got something to have him there and not use him at all and us falling and continuing to fall at the moment doesn't make sense. At some stage, now, do I want to see Saka at left-back? Of course not. But what I want to see is, I know that if Saka's playing left-back as, as an emergency, I'm going to see more from Saka in there trying to do whatever he does at left-back, a Kieran Tierney vibe, than, 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 than Xhaka. Mm. And then you're hoping, which is still a fucking shame for us, that our £72 million player could come on and actually do something for us. Because at some stage, man, it's, you've got to have that fucking every inch fucking every that, that every given Sunday fucking speech with this team. <laughs> I don't know what more to say because when you look at them and how close they've got, it now needs the kind of rallying speech in that dressing room where they say, yes, yes. Yes, they're going to try and close me down, Martin Odegaard. But you know what? I'm going to be strong and I'm going to... Yes, Laka, they're going to try and push me in there and they're going to kick me over. I'm not going to fall over. I'm going to stay up. I'm going to make sure I get the ball to him so as we can get behind them. These things, these, this is the speech that's got to happen because at the moment, Andrew, I can't see how we're going to, how we're going to do it without the goals, with them playing in the same frame of mind. What's going to change? People will have watched Palace. People will have watched Brighton and seen what they can do. So then what it does do, Andrew... It comes down to the individual saying, I've fucking got to do more. We need to get you in that dressing room to give that speech. Just play I'm, only this. Good, I'm only good on podcasts. <laughs> as soon as I see the player's eyes, I fucking go to pieces. That's why, <laughs> that's why I'm not a manager. But like the thing is, I can, I can speak to people like, like I used to do it when we used to go in the, um, when we used to go in the Tuesday club. I could do my fucking speech. But like when the manager's there and they say, anyone got anything to say? I'll say, I'm fucking, I, I, I'm down like that. No, but I, <laughs> I could only do it in argument mode. I have to be angry with somebody to say what I've just said, Andrew. Sure. So, look, the last week has been really disappointing. I think it's sort of knocked us off our stride and really shaken the confidence of the fans and maybe shaken the confidence of the players themselves. But I think we have to remember as well that they were in a really good position, which is why this feels as bad as it did. And they didn't get into that position by accident. You know, it was based on hard work. It was based on defensive solidity. It was based on a bit of grind. Like we prefer maybe a bit more panache, a bit more flair, whatever, but we don't necessarily have it. So we had to do it the way we had to do it. So it's kind of easy to forget that we got ourselves in this good position by doing what we could do well. So just to wrap up, like what is the thing if we're – if we're looking forward and we're trying to find the thing that will give us a bit of hope, a bit of confidence, what is that for you? When you look at this team, you look at this squad, is it the ability maybe to change things or is it, what, what might it be? Andrew, it's going to have to, it's going to have to take something like what I just said about somebody out of the blue coming and whether he throws in Pepe and Pepe puts in the kind of performances where he just rips teams to shreds, whether it's going to be lacquer all of a sudden he finds his form and starts scoring because the reason we were playing well is because Thomas Party and Martin Erdogan were, were able to progress that ball through the midfield, link it with Lacquer, mm. Emil Smith-Rowe or Martinelli or, or Saka were getting inverted and we're getting chances and we're scoring and we're doing well. Mm. We need that. We do need to get that, but that's only going to come from the players believing in themselves to do that. They've done it before, but I think that to a certain extent, teams didn't didn't 
maybe didn't expect us to do it like we were doing it. Look at Thomas Party's form for us for a while. It was amazing. Him and Martin Erdegaard, it was beautiful for the stuff they were playing. We were playing really good stuff. Teams will watch that, Andrew, and they say, right, we need to we need to stop it. Against Palace, even though um Thomas Party was coming off of his like his fasting, they were Conor Gallagher was all over him. And if it wasn't him, someone else was close to him. They know how to stop us. So what's got to happen? Well, now that he's out, we can't... We, so that's, a, that's, a, that's a, a, um, a progression in our team that's gone mm. at the moment. So we've got to find that from somewhere. So it's going to have to come from... Xhaka has to play in there with Erdogan. Xhaka's got to do what Partey was doing it. To that level, Erdogan's got to find what was why he was playing as well as he was and get that ball progressed to the front, guys, and then into Zlaka. Laka's got to hold it and do... Those, it's, it's not rocket science. I'm not going to sit here, Andrew, and say, oh, yeah, but what's got to happen is this. That is what happened. That's why we played well. Teams maybe weren't expecting us to do that. Once they realised we could do that, it's up to those individual players to continue doing that and put that team under pressure. We have to do those... But the, it comes back down, Andrew, to what we started talking... When we started talking on this podcast to taking half chances because when you... T chances and taking chances change games, Andrew. Changes your confidence, changes your demeanour. It makes your defenders defend even more. It makes you say, I've got to do that extra inch because we have just nicked that goal. We're under the cosh. And we, if we carry on doing this, we'll get another one. But at the moment, we haven't got it in us to nick the half chance and then get the other chance and then put the, put the team we're playing against on the back foot, they start losing confidence because there's no team I'd, I'd rather not play against than Arsenal when Arsenal are confident and people are not tight on us. We murder teams. We've got movement everywhere. Partey, Erdegaard coming off into those spaces, playing it into spaces where Lacazette's got a little bit more time. He turns, Saka's gone, Emerson Smoll, Martinelli's gone. You know, when Kieran Tierney's playing, bombing around the, around the left side, Tommy Asu down the right, we're absolutely animal in these teams. We need to get back to that, but teams know us and have worked us out. It comes down to the individual to want to continue to play that eight out of 10 performance because that's what keeps you there. I hope I haven't gone too far around. I've gone too like fucking, you know, tin hat stuff, but, but that's what it comes down. There's no formula. We've got to get back to that because teams have worked us out. Well, it's on the manager as well, isn't it? Just to sort of put something together that, that the opposition aren't quite aware of or aren't quite expecting. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. So. Because what's happened is you put something together where we haven't seen players playing to their real capabilities. And when we saw it for that little time, we've ended up in fourth place. We can't ignore our goalkeepers magnificent. We can't ignore, like, in recent games, for me, um, Gabriel at back looks a little... Against Palace, he looked very shaky. Hmm. Looked very shaky. And I think that when you look at our, our, our central pairing, if you've got an aggressive front line from the opposition, Andrew, they feel like they can be overpowered. They can be overpowered. So what we need is we need that confidence in front of them and obviously from the goalkeeper, which we get, what gives them the confidence to say, we'll bring it on. Mm. At the moment, they're under too much pressure. All right. Well, look, let's hope uh, they can respond this weekend because... Uh the points are very much needed against Southampton and then it's two massive games against uh, Chelsea and Man United. But of course, you know, when you're playing teams in and around you, good results mean more, not quite like the six-pointers, you know what I mean? But they they could change the mood quite considerably, couldn't they? If yeah. you can get some good results against those teams and when they're there or thereabouts uh, in the table with you too, it can have an impact on where you're sitting. 
Yes, it does. And the thing about it is, Andrew, like, I, I, I'm never never going to knock this team because it's a young team and Mikel's what he's trying to do. You could see it. We've seen it in our uh, and our rise to that top four space. But obviously, we haven't got the we haven't got the capabilities of staying there. But I'm very confident in if we can get some confidence and goals, like I say, bring confidence. You know, then I, teams are afraid to play us because they know what we're capable of if you give us the time. And that's what Graham Potter, that's what Patrick will know. You can't give these players time. It comes down to the players to say, I've got to make sure I find that because we have to hurt them. So I'm I'm still hoping that we don't fall to the place where we're eighth again. If we can stay and get European football this season, it's progress. Top four is fucking really, we're, we're really like, I heard people say overachieving. I wouldn't say we're overachieving, Andrew, because we've got a team that is obviously capable of doing that. But we haven't got the sustainability. Mm. And what we've got to do is not get carried away with the fact that we got there. But at the same time, we don't want to slip out of this top six business. No, no. Big, important stuff for the summer as well and uh, squad yeah. building and all that. But that's uh, maybe a conversation for another day. Listen, no. we better leave it there. As always, uh, it's a pleasure, Ian Wright. Thank you very much. Thanks, Andrew. Like I said, I love you, bro. Thanks a lot. You do great stuff. God bless you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. That was Ian Wright. And thank you very much indeed to him. It's uh, it's always a pleasure and a privilege to talk to him. And uh, hopefully he got a few things off his chest in that particular conversation. Hope you enjoyed it. And uh, fingers crossed that we can get ourselves back on track starting this weekend. Don't forget, you can get more of Ian Wright on his own podcast, Wrighty's House, which is out every Wednesday. This week, he's talking to former Arsenal defender Jill Roard. Uh, she's playing for Wolfsburg. Wolfsburg about to take on Barcelona in the women's Champions League semifinals. So uh, they'll be talking about that. Available tomorrow, wherever you get your podcasts, you will find Wrighty's House. Search Ringer FC or look at the ringer.com Wrighty's House every single Wednesday and once again thank you very much indeed to Ian for coming on the show just a quick reminder that this month Arsblog is donating every single penny that we make from our Patreon to UNICEF to help kids all around the world who are impacted by wars and conflicts who need medical attention
pension, food, shelter, education, all of those things. So if you want to sign up for our Patreon, you get access to everything that we do on there. And you know that this month your money is going to a good cause. It's patreon.com forward slash arsblog. Patreon.com forward slash arsblog. Right. Let's leave it there for this uh, special Arscast edition. We'll be here later in the week with more, of course, looking ahead to the game against Southampton. We'll have a preview podcast on Patreon later in the week as well. So join us for that. For now, though, thanks a million, and we will catch you on the next one. Cheers. Bye-bye. Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at uh1.com. 